what difference this child makes in our life. Now, John's gospel is a little different than Matthew, Mark, or Luke. You see, John doesn't mess around with a lot of details. There's no angel visitations. There's no traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem. There's no manger scene. Instead, he gets right to the point, and he summarizes the whole birth story by saying this in John chapter 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Or, I really like the way the message says it, the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. I love that version. Because when you stop and think about it, that is exactly why God sent his son Jesus to the earth. To make a difference. And so what we need more of today in our lives, we need Jesus to move. We need Jesus to move us. We need Jesus to move our churches We need Jesus to move our businesses. We need Jesus to move our schools. We need Jesus to move the world. And church, the way he does that, you and I are that plan now. So he moves in to my heart. He moves into your heart. He moves in to all areas of your life. And when he does that, this world cannot help but be a brighter place. But all too often what we do, we let the light go out, don't we? We get fired up on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays. Boy, I mean following Sunday, Well, Monday hits and Tuesday hits, and by the time we get to Wednesday, we're just drained, and we just barely make it through the weekend only to start another week again. And I'm wondering, what needs to change in my life? What needs to change in your life in order for Jesus to be that bright and shining star all the time? Because when that happens... This world is going to change. People need Jesus more than ever. We're living in a world right now that is full of chaos. Every time you turn on the TV, every time you get the Dallas Morning News or the Paris News, whatever newspaper you read, New York Times, whatever you read, every time you turn the TV or the newspaper on. You see a death, you see a murder, you see break-ins, you see all things that are evil. You see darkness. And if you go back to the very beginning of time in Genesis chapter 1, it really sounds a lot like John chapter 1. And so I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1, and I want you to hear the very beginning of time. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, 
and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And now I want you to trans fast forward to John chapter 1. And these words sound so familiar to the ones that we just read at the beginning of time. And in my opinion, there are no more beautiful and elevated words of praise about Jesus than right here in this prologue in John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all the people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. You see, John's gospel isn't just another biography of Jesus. It is that carefully crafted presentation of Jesus as not just the simply the one who reveals God, but John comes on the scene to say, this is God. He is in our midst. He is Emmanuel, which means what, church? God with us. God coming to his own. God loving everyone that he has created in his image. And here's the thing that continues to blow people away every day. He is fully divine, and at the same time, he is fully human. How do you explain that? I'm not sure if it's something we can explain as much as it is just something we are called by faith to believe. Does that make sense? Some things are just hard to explain. What God wants, what Jesus wants for our life is just simply to say, I believe in the one that you sent. That's why God sent Jesus in the first place so that the whole world would stand up one day and say, I believe in this man. And I want him to be Lord and master and the ruler of all of my life. And if you remember, John, he was the disciple who was especially loved by and very loyal to Jesus. He was that companion to Jesus and apparently the only one of the 12 to have courage enough to go to the foot of the cross when he was dying. And there, he had Jesus, his mother, 
committed to him to care for as his own. I mean, this disciple loved this man. And so this gospel is written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's told in a familiar story, and it gives a lot of perspectives, it gives a lot of insight, it gives a lot of persuasive language. Because what John wants the reader to do, he's inspiring and he's encouraging for the readers to have faith in this man named Jesus. It's not just a story to read and think, man, that's, that's a cool story, and then put it back on the shelf. John's intention is that you look at this man, that you read this man, you see all these great details, and he's persuading you to stand back and say, I want him. I need him to be Lord of my life. And just as John testified what we are to do from that moment on that we say we believe in this man, we are to testify about him every day of our life. Maybe this world is so dark right now because we have stopped testifying about the one that God created for us. Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to testify and speak more about Jesus than we ever have before. And you notice the point here is you don't preach issues. You don't preach what's going on at the time. You preach Jesus. You stick to Jesus. And when you do that, church, you can't help but fall in love with this man. When you stop worrying about everything else and how all things might happen, and you focus on the one who gave us life, mighty things will take place. He's mighty to save. He's mighty to come to our rescue. He's mighty to do amazing things. He is able to do far more than what we could ever, ever expect. And so, when you look at this gospel, God had come in the flesh. I mean, why would he leave the splendor of heaven and come to the darkness of earth as a weak human infant? All I can say is we just sang about it. The greatest commands. He came to this earth because he loved us that much. And because he loved us that much, he did not want us to stay in the state that we found ourselves in. And so God had to give up his best for you. Well, you think about sacrifice. You think about gifts. I mean, we've given a lot of gifts this season. Look at what God did. One-time gift that keeps giving. A one-time gift that 
never runs out, that never dies, that never stops. He's always there. And my question is, why would we not want to put faith in this man? Why would we not want to worship and love and adore him every day of life? So, I'm going to pose a question that's so popular in our world today. What's in this for me? We hear that a lot. And a lot of times when we hear that, it's a pretty selfish question, isn't it? So what, and what benefit am I going to get from whatever it may be? I want to give you some results this morning. Some results that you will never find with anybody else but only Jesus. And the first one is this. The result of the Word becoming flesh. The Word, God, becoming flesh One of the greatest results of this is you and I become adopted as God's children. Look at John chapter 1 verse 12. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You remember, God wants every person on earth to be his child. But it doesn't just automatically happen. If you continue to read John's gospel, you know over in John chapter 3, he says, you've got to be born again. You've got to be born of his spirit to become one of his children. What a beautiful, beautiful picture to see and to realize This is how we come in contact with God. The beautiful picture of baptism. How many of you at times in your life, you you go back and you try to recall that moment when you were baptized into Christ? Raise your hand. I guarantee you, you remember the place, you remember the date, you remember the people that were there, You remember those that influenced you to make that decision? Life-changing decision? Families right now that are grieving. I've heard this week share testimonies of how God has been at work in their life. And how they're thankful for their mother or their father, or their nephew, or their sister, or whoever it may be, of helping them see Jesus. So I'm wondering today, who will you take? And who will you mentor? Who will you be the one to help people see Jesus a little more clear? See, we're not just left on our own. Just like somebody helped you see him, you need to help others see him as well. So what a great thought to know that we have become adopted as God's children. Romans chapter 8 verse 17, since we are his children, we share his treasures 
for everything God gives to his son is ours too. Did you hear that? Everything that God gives to his son is also ours. Man, what an act of humility. What an act of everything I have is open season. It also belongs to all of God's children. And Paul goes on to say, but if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. What a great thought to be a child of God. You know, I want you to think about your physical family for a moment. Whether you like it or not, you're stuck with your family. Okay? So get used to it. Right? My mom and dad are here this morning. And I can honestly say, in front of my parents, I am honored to be a child of John and Linda Cannon. But as proud as I am as that, and I know all of you are proud to be with your family, it is altogether another thing to be able to say, I am adopted as a child of God. I am adopted as a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because as great a man as my dad is, he can't get me to heaven. But Jesus can. Church, you need to think about that. I mean, this is is pretty serious, isn't it? Here's the one God breathing life into Jesus, his son, who comes to breathe life into us and gives us the right and the opportunity to say, I want to be a child of the king. And so it's a pretty big deal when you read God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood because that means God is doing something for you that he had never done before before what a great place to be in life look at john chapter 1 verse 4 in him was life and that life was the light of men another result is we receive his life Boy, we get to trade in our life and we get to take on life that is so good, that is so precious, that's available to all. And if you look at the end of John's gospel, he writes this, all of these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. You see, God wants us to have life right now, and he also wants us to enjoy and have life in the hereafter. 
That's why we're here today, isn't it, church? We're here today because we are on a journey anticipating what that next life will be like. And I don't know about you, but all of those that have gone on before us, here's what excites me. They are in heaven cheering us on in this life. They're with us. And knowing that, knowing that makes life right here worthwhile. And it makes life right here so important to get things right and to live right in the sight of God in order to go up there. Because church, let me tell you, up there is a lot better than down here. And that's our hope. And that's our plan. And so, a third result is this. We receive his light in darkness. Church, you can mark it down. Until God makes himself known in his radiant, glorious presence, darkness will always dominate the scene. The only way that's going to happen is for you and I to take him to all the world. To take him to all the places so darkness can once again become light. If you remember, until he took the initiative in the physical creation, there was only chaos and darkness. Remember how he said it? There was that formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. But here's what happened next. God stepped in. And when God stepped in, things changed. And when God steps in to your life, things change. When God steps into your marriage, when God steps into your kids, when God steps into you fill in the blank this morning, things are going to get better. Do you know what I'm convinced of? There's a lot of people that are not giving God a chance. Give them time to work. Man, we like quick results, don't we? Man, we want things instant. Give God time to work. So I'm wondering this morning, in our own lives, where do you need God to step in? What are those areas of your life right now that are dark? What are those areas in your life that you're letting Satan have his way with? Maybe not on purpose, but he is. So what do you need to do to allow God to move in, not just into a section of life, but allow him to move in and take over all of your life? You know, we're real good a lot of times to say, God, you can have this part of my life, but 
I don't, I'm not going to let you deal right now with this because I, I got it all under control. Really? Do you? I wonder how that would work if you just said, God, I have made a mess out of this. Now, I need you to move in and take it. Wow. Take it. I mean, once again, he created us. So what's wrong with us giving it back to him to recreate something beautiful in his own time? Again, it's not instant. It's not going to be fixed like that. But day after day.